We'll turn with me in your Bible today to the book of Psalms. We're going to read Psalm 1 together and spend some time in Psalm 1. I would like to speak to you on the blessed man, the blessed man in Psalm 1. Psalm 1, and we'll take time to read this full psalm. I'm sure some of you would probably be able to shut your Bible and uh, we're able to share this psalm without even reading it. It was one of the psalms while at Bible college that we had to learn. And it's a wonderful psalm. And I think it's a great song to open the book of Psalms with. The happy man, the blessed man. Let's read it together. And of course, this is the word of the Lord. And it reads, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. We trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts today. There's a story told about a little boy called Tim, whose family owned a donkey. And one day the little boy told his mother that he thought that the donkey was a Christian. And his mother asked him, what do you mean? Well, the little boy explained, well, dad's a Christian and the donkey has the same long face as he does. You know, it's true that the Lord's people, sometimes our faces simply don't express the joy and happiness that the Christian life can bring. And this first song that we find in the book of Psalms tells us more about true happiness in this life than any of the great thinkers who have walked this planet, who try to tell us how to find happiness There are many in this world who will tell you what to do to be happier, what to buy to be happier, to live the fulfilled life. But anywhere outside of Christ, lasting happiness will never be found. John Trapp, who is quoted in Spurgeon's Treasury of David, says of this psalm, The psalmist saith more to the point about true happiness in this short psalm than any one of the philosophers or all of them put together, they did but beat the bush. God hath here put the bird in our hand. I love that quote. Love that quote. How every philosopher on this planet may try to tell you how to find true happiness. But here, Trapp says, God has put the answer in our very hands. It's found in Psalm 1, the blessed man. I believe that the psalm shows us two contrasting type of lives. Firstly, that of the blessed man, 
and also that of the sinful man. We find two contrasting styles of life compared. The psalm presents the reader with two alternatives of ultimate seriousness. Verse 6, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You can either be among the righteous or you can be among the ungodly and the wicked. There are only two categories of human beings and that the psalmist is concerned with. And everybody belongs to one camp or the other. In verses 1 to 3, we find the godly life. Then in verses 4 to 6, we find the ungodly life. But I want to focus today on the blessed man. I want to consider what it is for the Christian to be happy and blessed. What does this psalm teach us about the happiness of the Christian? And the first thing we find is the path of the blessed man. The path of the blessed man. You see here in this ancient Hebrew hymn, hymn book, we find it begins on a very high note. In this psalm, God has placed in our hands the key to the, the very key to being happy and content in all circumstances. I think it's such an appropriate psalm to consider after finishing the book of Philippians. In fact, it begins in the most glorious way. As we turn to the book of Psalms today, we, we find a man who is blessed. What a great word to start with. Blessed is the man. Blessed. The Hebrew word used here for blessed, it literally means all things are well with the man who is about to be described. The word blessed in the Hebrew here, it's also used in its plural. So it literally means, if we could translate it in another way, all the happiness of this man many times over, over and over and over again, all the happiness of this man. Sir Richard Baker says, where the word blessed is hung out as a sign, we may be sure that we will find a godly man within. Dear believer today, I'm sure you know this already, but let me remind you that to be happy in the Lord, how we must be fully devoted to him, it's perfect submission to him. Don't we often sing one of my favorite hymns, Blessed Assurance, don't we often sing in it, perfect submission. That means all in for Christ. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Saviour am, and here's the happiness, happy and blessed. You see, the warning that we find here at the beginning of the book of Psalms is this, dear child of God, do not compromise with the world. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You see, when we compromise and flirt with the world, its slow-moving evil tentacles begin to wrap themselves around us and it squeezes the very joys and rewards of obedience in the Christian life out of it. And it happens so silently and it happens so subtly and we hardly realize that it's taking place. It's like an enormous oak tree that looks well from the outside but for years has been decaying in the inside and it eventually collapses. 
So if we want to be a blessed or happy individual, really the psalm makes it quite plain and simple. We're left in no uncertain terms as to how to get to this place. You see, the happy believer is separated. When those people around us look at Christian individuals, they should see a peculiar people. A people who are separate from the world. The happy believer doesn't take his counsel from the world. You know, so often we sing, here from the world we turn Jesus to seek. Here may his loving voice graciously speak. Jesus, our dearest friend, while at thy feet we bend, oh, may thy smile descend, tis thee we seek. Note the advice that is given the path of the blessed man. I want you to note his walk. I want you to see his walk. The word walk that's used here, it refers to flirting with sin. Look at what it says. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. This walk, dear Christian, isn't that we fully committed. We know that our feet have taken us somewhere we shouldn't be. And we aren't fully committed to doing it. But we're walking among the world. We're just walking. We're just dabbling. We're just seeing what it's like. And our feet have taken us somewhere and we're not fully committed. And we know it's wrong, but we're present and we're there and we're flirting with sin. It's like a casual passing by. I'm just here. That TV program that takes the Lord's name in vain, isn't it terrible? But we'll keep on watching it. Turn it off. This walk, it's just going, it's not, it's just going through the motions. It's not a fully committed walk with Christ. Blessed is the man that walketh not, walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. It's not uncommon for the believer to flirt with the wicked life. It's not uncommon for us to periodically imitate the motions of those who are without Christ. We must go to war with it. No wonder the children's writer wrote the words, Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go, for the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little feet, where you go. David in the psalm warns us that we'll be abundantly happier, happy many times over, if we stay clear of anything that would give erosion of spiritual compromise. And you know it includes walking where the world walks. Note how once the child of God flirts with sin in their walk, all of a sudden we see them stop walking and instead they stand. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. The Hebrew word for stand, it literally has that idea of coming and taking your stand for something, something you believe in. So walking, you were just flirting with it. But all of a sudden, you, you, you stop walking and just flirting with it and you stand with sin. And you stand with, and you take your stand in those things. And, and you're starting to become convicted of those things. And the, the word path here, it's talking about the martyr path. And it's certain, and it's a precise way of life. And all of a sudden, there is the progression from flirting with sin to actually lingering in its presence. We're no longer walking by, but we slow down our walk and we listen to the counsel of the ungodly and very soon we end up taking our stand in the way of sinners. It means that we're not just walking anymore, but we've digressed and now we're lingering and now we're starting to develop rebellious habits. 
how we should how, now let me make it clear we should make friends of sinners for the Lord Jesus Christ Christ made friends with all kinds of people but he didn't do it he didn't do it for his own benefit he did it for the benefit of their souls indeed Luke called the Lord Jesus Christ a friend of publicans and sinners but this verse in the psalm teaches us that we're not to stand in the way of sinners. We're not to be doing the things that they're doing. We're not to participate in their sinful activities. You see, the man who is on the road to the blessed life is very careful of the company that he keeps. The word of God says in 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty-three: evil companions corrupt good manners. Did you get that? Evil companions corrupt good manners. Young people, did you get that? Evil companions, those people who aren't seeking to live for the Lord, those people who are trying to show you those videos in school that you shouldn't be watching, those people who are asking you and tempting you to do things that you shouldn't be doing, don't spend time with them. Get rid, get away from them. You surround yourself with people who will point you to Christ. You surround yourself with friends who are interested in the same things as you young people. Each of us here today, evil companions, corrupt good manners. 1 Corinthians 15.33, underline it in your Bible. Abraham stood in the way of sinners when he went down to Egypt to escape the famine in Canaan where he told Pharaoh that Sarah was his sister and he lost his testimony. Lot stood in the way of sinners when he listened to the king of Sodom instead of the king of Salem and went back to Sodom and he lost his family. More than one child of God has got away from the Lord because they started running with the wrong crowd. What about you? I wonder, are you careful what company you keep? Or are you copying the people and are you copying the people with whom you're associating yourself? Are you absorbing the thoughts of that book that you're reading? What about the programs that you're watching that are filled with bad language, violence and immorality? Do you want to know the blessing of God? Well, you'll need to be careful about your walk and you'll need to be careful about your stern. Dear brethren and sisters today, don't fall into the trap of thinking that this will never happen to you. You've walked with the Lord for a long time. It can happen so subtly. Remember scripture has said, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. You see, this is how it happens. There's the walk, then there's the stand, then you find yourself sitting. Now to sit suggests to me a permanent sitting down. You know, it's possible to have sat in the pews here, lived for the Lord, served him in the church, prayed in the prayer meetings, and today be sat with the world. There's many a person who I have watched who was once sitting where you were, and today they're nowhere with the Lord. You see, this is what the world does to us. We flirt with sin, then we stand with sinners, then we sit and take up permanent residence with them. I wonder, can you see that the picture that our psalmist in Psalm 1 verse 1 paints? How, how, how can you be a happy Christian? Blessed, happy many times over is the man who seeks to maintain a pure walk, free from evil of the slightest, free from the slightest flirtation with evil. If we even begin to walk in the counsel of the wicked, we may find very soon that we sit in the seat of the scoffer. Know how the blessed man, he doesn't believe like the wicked. He doesn't listen to their counsel and their invitations to evil. His hearing is turned, is tuned in a little higher. 
He, he doesn't believe like the wicked. He, he doesn't behave like the wicked. The, the old man has been put away. He, he doesn't belong with the wicked. He feels out of place when surrounded by the devil's crowd. So he doesn't believe. He doesn't behave like them. He doesn't belong with them. And the success, the successful and the happy believer realizes that there's a vast difference between himself and the world that he was saved out of. And he lives accordingly. The path of the blessed man. How is your walk on the path today, dear Christian? Maybe you listen under the sound of my voice and you haven't even started on the blessed path yet. Maybe like this psalm, there's, you see the ungodly in verse 4. And how they're not on this blessed path. You know, you could start on that path today. If only you would place your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd love you to come back tonight. Or maybe you listen online. I'd love you to come here tonight. And to hear the gospel. We preach it every Sunday night. It's the best message you could ever hear. It could change your life. And you'd know how to start in the blessed path. I wonder have you placed your trust in Christ. And started in this path. But dear Christian. How is your walk on this path? But I want you to see also the pleasure of the blessed man, not just the path of the blessed man, but also the pleasure of the blessed man. Look at verse 2, for it says there, but his delight, or we could say, but his pleasure, delight, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. The word of God has captured this blessed man's full affection, delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord. His pleasure is in the law of the Lord. The word of God it isn't a book of fables and myths and legends to the child of God. It's the very word of truth. It's God-breathed and it's infallible and it's inerrant and it's absolutely perfect. And he loves it and he lives it. And finding in its pages all that he needs to grow and to prosper in Christ. And I want you to note that... It's not a command to delight in the word of God. There's no command here. Can you see that? Never in scripture will you find a command to delight in the word of God. We're commanded to memorize it. And we're commanded to know it. And we're commanded to be able to give reason for the hope that is within us. But to delight in the word of God should naturally happen to the child of God. I wonder, has it ever dawned on you that when you open the word of God, you're listening to the very words of God. God is speaking. And God, he's given his words and his directions and his teaching right before us in this book we have on our laps today. The Bible, it doesn't contain the word of God. The Bible is the word of God. And if you love the Savior, you'll love the word. His delight is in the law of the Lord. I love to hear his word preached. I love to hear this word taught. I love to read it in my own personal devotional times. Do you have a time each day when you spend with God personally? Do you have a time when you open the word and let God speak to you? This is where you get your advice. This is where you get your counsel for life. You see, God is the authority in the church. No, it should be wrong. You find that in here. God is the authority on marriage. You find that in here. God is the authority on the state. 
No matter what the government tell us, we find our counsel in here. God tells us how we should live in the home and how it should be run. You find that in here. His delight is in the law of the Lord. I wonder, can you see the value of the word? It's food for the Christian. It's milk for the young Christian. It gives the young Christian everything he needs to grow strong and healthy. It's meat for the growing. It's bread for everyone. It's sweet honey for those who need Psalm 19.10. It's light, Psalm 119.105. It is truth, John 17.17. It's a mirror, James 1.23-25. It is a seed, 1 Peter 1.23. It is a sword, Hebrews 4.12, Ephesians 6.17. It is a hammer jeremiah 23 29 it can build up it can tear down it is fire jeremiah 20 verse 9 luke 24 32 it is water ephesians 5 25 to 27 because it cleans ephesians 5 26 it quenches john 4 13 to 14 it refreshes psalm 119 verse 150 it's a wonderful word can you see the value of god's word how the person the blessed man he delights it and he values it there's a story told of a missionary who was very discouraged one day and he said to the hindu woman who he had been the converted hindu woman who had been teaching he says you forget all that i teach you from the bible your head is just like a sieve as fast as I pour water in, it just runs out. And the converted Hindu lady humbly answered, Well, you're right. My head is like a sieve. I forget so much of what you teach me. But when you pour water into a sieve, although it runs out again, it makes the sieve clean. So although I forget all that you say, it makes me cleaner. And so I keep coming back. That's the effect that God's word has on the soul. And as we know, we're cleansed by the washing of the water of the word. Those of us who have been out on Wednesday nights, we've seen that picture in recent times at the labour. Just before the priest would have went on into the holy place in the tabernacle, there he was and he would have washed his hands and he would have washed his feet and he had to get that right. There was the washing of the word and we were reminded of that picture of how important it is to be in God's word often because what it does, it's not to do with our relationship with God it's to do with our fellowship with God and how when we come to God's word it's that cleansing of our hands and our feet kicking off the dirt from the daily walk in the world and just that cleansing effect that the word of God has on us and that's the important thing and this is to do with the pleasure of the blessed man the one who is delighting who's being washed by the word over and over again as he comes to it how important that is, I want you to see finally the prosperity of the blessed man. The prosperity of the blessed man. I want you to see firstly he is rooted. He is rooted. What happens here is the psalmist follows on from what the blessed man does, does, does not do to what he does do. So he has told us not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly, not to stand in the way of sinners, not to sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight needs to be in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night, 
And then he goes on and he speaks of the prosperity. And he says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. He's rooted. He's rooted. He's likened unto a tree planted by the rivers of water. And in the Bible, water, the water we've, we've looked at it there. It's that washing of the word of God. It's that picture of the Spirit of God and the work that he does. And when we meditate in Scripture, we're refreshed and we're revitalized. And note that the blessed man is like a tree, not the chaff that the wind drives away. Instead, he's rooted. And when the storms of this life come and batter the tree, and when the storms of this life come, we're rooted in Christ and nothing can move. It's not like that chaff that when the storms come, the chaff is blown away. Instead, we're rooted and we're grounded in Christ. There's no better place to be. You know, A.W. Tozer, in many of his writings, spoke of the, spoke of the importance of where we dig our roots down. And so often we read in his books that when you find yourself in a good, godly church, you find yourself in, among good, godly people, he says, you dig your roots deep down there. And he also, he also speaks of the people who dig their roots in the wrong place. And he says they become a rotten tree and the roots are so shallow that the world just blows them here and there and all over the place. How important it is to be rooted in the right places, surrounded by the right company, surrounded by people, surrounded by God's word, which all will point us to Christ and lead us to become closer to him. Just a closer walk with thee. Grant that Jesus this might plea. How the prosperity of the blessed man is rooted in Christ, but also see that he is fruitful. He is fruitful. It says in verse 3, that bringeth forth, forth his fruit in his season. He is a blessing to everyone. Fruit is what God does through the blessed man's life. Do you get that? Fruit is what God does through the blessed man's life. Fruit is the blessing that God brings through that life. Do you recall in John chapter 15, the Lord Jesus talked about fruit. He talked about, about more fruit and he talked about how that fruit remains. And, and how, do, how do you bear fruit in the Christian life? Well, the Saviour said the key is this. John chapter 15, verse 3, abide in me. The branch has to abide in the vine and the tree is planted by the rivers of water and it's drawing nourishment and it produces fruit. I wonder, are you a productive Christian? I wonder, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit evident in your life? Is there something evergreen about your life? We don't need to be weathered saints. We need to be fruitful saints in the work of God. And here's the consequences of what the blessed man does not do and does do. Can you see it? He's rooted and he's fruitful and he prospers. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The word literally means to advance. You know, if we must prosper, we must seek the Lord. Do you know that as long as King Uzziah sought the Lord, he prospered. He was a great king at the start. If you turn to Chronicles and you read the story of King Uzziah, you'll find a man who at first relied on the Lord. And while he trusted the Lord during his reign, he prospered. The Bible actually tells us that. But then he took his eyes off the Lord. 
He became proud of himself and he sinned. And he ultimately died. As long as you seek the Lord, you will see advancement in your spiritual life. You see, this word prosper has been poisoned across our world by prosperity preachers. When we trust the Lord, it doesn't mean that everything will go well and we'll have all these riches and our health will be good and we'll be wealthy. That is not what this word prosper means. It's an advancement in our spiritual walk. It's finding our happiness in Christ and our fulfillment in Christ. The storms will come. But in these three verses... If we were to live them out, then oh, we fail every day. But if we were to listen to the counsels found in the first three verses in this ancient book of hymns, oh, we would find and discover that we will be just like that blessed man. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and life. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Are you a Christian who is separated? Separated from the world. Are you a Christian who is saturated with the word? And are you situated today by those rivers of water?